From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have Paul McKinney and the Knights of Jazz. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, we've got the Knights of Jazz on the show. The group is led by trumpeter Paul B. McKinney, who belongs to two very distinct musical families in Memphis, one by blood and one by bond. That's definitely one way to put it. While Paul can often be heard alongside his brother, Dr. Alba McKinney, who plays the saxophone, and his father, Colonel McKinney, who plays the organ. He's perhaps best known in Memphis for also being a part of the Stax family. Exactly right. Paul serves as instrumental music director and jazz studies coordinator at the Stax Music Academy in Memphis, helping to guide students on their own musical journeys. Paul is also best known in Memphis for being a part of the Stax family. He works over at Stax Music Academy with me. That's right. Paul serves as instrumental music director and jazz studies coordinator over there at the Stax Music Academy. And he's helping, along with you, to guide students on their own musical journeys. Honestly, for a music lover, there is nothing more admirable than lending your talents to help the next generation grow into their own crafts. But when McKinney isn't in the classroom, he's no slouch on stage himself. His smooth jazz is inspired by the likes of George Duke, Miles Davis, and Memphis's own Kirk Whalum. As a matter of fact, Whalum offered McKinney high praise, likening Paul's music to a spiritual bluesiness with a message that has absolutely no frills, even with his technical prowess. And he's not the only one chirping about Paul's music either. Songwriting legend David Porter lifted a high acknowledgement for Paul's work too. He called Paul's father, Curl, a genius of the keys and said assuredly that Paul is a fruit that hasn't fallen very far from the very same tree. That's gotta feel good to get a pat on the back from someone like David Porter. With his band, The Knights of Jazz, Paul flexes his ability as a band leader, bringing a fully fleshed out vision to complement his passionate trumpet performances. And just as he commands in the classroom, he and his chivalrous Knights of Jazz take command of all the ears that can hear them. Here's Paul McKinney and his Knights of Jazz, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Here's more from Paul McKinney and the Knights of Jazz, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Those were the Knights of Jazz featuring Paul McKinney live on Beale Street Caravan. For more info on Paul and his band, check them out on Facebook. We'll be back with more music from the Knights in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. Right after New Year's Day, 1935, Honey Boy landed in Memphis. The cold wind off the river tore through his traveling rags, and he headed up to Beale Street for something to warm up with. He was 19 years old, and all his life in Mississippi, folks said Memphis was the happening place for music. Honey Boy headed straight for Beale Street Park. There, out in the open, he saw every Memphis legend he'd grown up hearing about. Frank Stokes, Will Shade from the Memphis Jug Band, Sleepy John Estes. There was little Buddy Doyle, a red-eyed midget with a six-foot-tall wife. Buddy sat on a park bench playing his guitar, but his feet didn't reach the ground, so he just kicked his legs and bumped the bench to the beat. And then in one corner, Honey Boy spied a beautiful woman. She looked like a mermaid with shiny hair. She smiled gold teeth and carried a silver resonator guitar. It was Memphis Minnie. Honey Boy heard her playing Bumblebee like it was just for him. Bumblebee, Bumblebee, please come back to me. An old guy named Dewey, another one of the Memphis Jug Band, caught Honey Boy staring and chimed in. She's pretty good looking, but pretty rough too, boy. She like to fuss, cuss, fight. She'll drop that guitar and go turn a trick for a dollar. Dewey had threadbare clothes and bags under his eyes. He sounded as weary as he looked. That's the hard times, he said. Women will come to you and say, if you buy me a sandwich, I'll turn you a trick. Worst town you ever seen. You make it here, you make it anywhere. Honey Boy said, hell, I'm just glad we don't have to buy whiskey from a bootlegger. You want to go down to the Pantay's drugstore down the corner third and Beale, Dewey told him. Honey Boy walked in that direction and stopped at the one-minute cafe. The place was packed, but about half the people looked like hobos just standing around. Honey Boy figured they were allowed to hang out and keep warm. He got up from his plate to grab a bottle of R.C., when he got back, not one minute later, a bum had taken his seat and started eating Honey Boy's hamburger. I'm hungry, the man said. It's yours, Honey Boy told him. After hitting the pantays, Honey Boy returned to the park with a few bites of food and the sweet burn of whiskey in his stomach. He jumped at the chance to jam with the Memphis Jug Band, and the old men were glad to have a fresh face as people who came to hear the new guy in town left tips in the cigar box open at their feet. Afterwards, Dewey divided out the tips. Honey Boy noticed that for every dime he got, Dewey kept a quarter. Got to pay Dewey dues to play these blues, the old man said. But Dewey was all right. He offered Honey Boy a room for the night, and the men walked off together. You held it tight for a young blood, Dewey said. I've been around, Honey replied. Ran with Big Joe Williams. Where's Joe working now, Dewey asked. Work, said Honey. I don't think he'd work in a bakery if you give him a cake every time the pan came out. 
Dewey laughed. Honey Boy went on. He come to Greenwood. We had a juke house there called Black Roses. He played Highway 49. And I just stood there and looked at him. I got a long time woman. He said, why are you looking at me so hard? Can you play? I said, a little bit. He took a drink. I strummed one or two numbers on his guitar. Joe said, I can learn you. Just like that, me and Joe left there, hitchhiking and hoboing. I stayed with Joe eight or nine months till I got plum good. We went down through Vicksburg. He learned me how to play for nickels and dimes on the street and hustle at barrel houses. He taught me how to make it. Then Joe started drinking heavy in New Orleans, and he kept trying to fight me. I don't weigh but 110, so I slipped off and left Joe sleeping. They laughed and walked up a flight of rickety wooden stairs to Dewey's flat. Dewey introduced Honey to his stepdaughter, a beautiful young lady called Baby Peaches. Honey Boy took one look and fell for her long, curly hair. By the next morning, she had all of Honey's money that Dewey didn't get, and it was time to go back to work. At the park, the old guys from the jug band had another young fellow with them. He was tall, skinny, and had a bad eye. Honey thought he couldn't have been older than 16. His hands trembled, and when he sat down on the park bench, he swayed back and forth like he was in a rocking chair. But he could make sounds come out of that harmonica that Honey didn't know were in there. The jug band guys called him Shaky, but the gangly youth introduced himself as Walter. When Walter blew those blues, the people flocked. Old Dewey just plunked his washtub bass and watched the silver fall into the cigar box. Honey graduated from Big Joe Williams University, and it didn't take him long to see Dewey's racket. The young guys brought in more tips and were easy to take advantage of. They jammed and drank all day. Another lovely night with baby peaches and another broke morning. And Honey felt it was time to sneak off from old Dewey, just like he'd left Big Joe. He wanted to dodge Beale and maybe find someplace else to set up, like the train station. He was walking up Gayoso Street when he saw a tall, skinny boy seated on the front steps of a house, rocking. Dewey's slick, Honey told Walter. I ain't going back to him. Walter stood up brought Honey inside and introduced Honey to his mother, Miss Emma. Emma told Honey, Walter started playing when he was five years old. Miss Emma saw Honey's guitar and his young face and said, Walter, this is who you're supposed to play with. Why don't you quit them old people? Y'all work together and I'll keep your money safe. She left the duo with a little advice. Run down to Front Street. The livestock brokers are bringing cows from Mississippi and Arkansas to sell. Miss Emma made her money in the hustle. She knew where the cash would be coming in. Walter grabbed his harmonica. That's all I need to carry with me, he said. Honey and Walter walked down from Galesa Street toward the Mississippi River. They could see steamboats tied up. They watched the white men walking passels of hogs and cattle down the gangplanks to the cobblestone landing and hurry to the market house. Front Street stood tall with its row of cotton warehouses but side streets of little alleyways had rows of one-story shotgun houses. Every streetwalker in Memphis knew it was market day, too, and Honey and Walter could barely breathe through the perfume. They played and picked up a few quarters and watched the women lead the men 
coming out of the livestock market to the alley. Honey and Walter followed, Honey playing his guitar, Walter moaning through that harmonica. There they found the queen of all street women, the goddess of the guitar. Honey recognized the flash of gold teeth in the silver resonator before the song hit him. After dark, they came back up Beale. The jug band had turned in by then, and the sound of Memphis Slim's piano called them to the Midway Club. They walked upstairs over a liquor store and saw Slim. I hear the blue everywhere. I find the blue all in the air. He had the women swaying. Honey and Walter just watched and shook their heads. Slim looked smooth at that piano, had a nice suit jacket and slick hair. But when he stood up, Honey and Walter cracked up. His pants looked like they were made out of patches. The boys warmed their bellies and headed out. They could have kept this going forever, but Miss Emma had a plan for them. She saved their tips for a month until one day her son and his guitar-playing partner wanted to grab some of that cash. It's gone, she said. Gone, Honey Boy shouted. Miss Emma chuckled. I bought a couple of train tickets with it. Honey Boy thought she had lost her mind. Where are you going with our money? I'm not leaving anywhere, said Emma. You two are going to Chicago. That's where Shaky and Honey Boy would call home for the rest of their days. I'm going way. I'm going way across town. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.
Street Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Travel, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you who are just tuning in, we've got the Knights of Jazz featuring trumpeter Paul B. McKinney on the show today. Before Paul was the leader of a band of like-minded jazz gentlemen, he was a budding musician like many of the young artists he mentors in Memphis's Stax Music Academy. He actually started even younger than that, stepping up to the family drum set at only three years old. I guess David Porter was correct. Paul is the apple who didn't fall far from his father's tree. His dad, of course, in addition to being an acclaimed organist and pianist, was also a band director. He coached Paul to proficiency on both bass guitar and piano while he was still single digits. By 12, though, he moved on to his horn, and he's been to tooting that trumpet ever since. In 2015, he released his first recorded single, Cecilia, for the Light the Road Recording Company. It's a smooth, sultry ballad that has remained a signature in Paul's repertoire. Here's more from Paul McKinney and the Knights of Jazz on Bill Street Caravan. Open up, it's not a boy. 
But I'll sing it again You already know But I'll sing it again You already know Sing it again You already know But I'll sing it again Paul McKinney, it's fantastic to have you on Bill Street Caravan. We're here on your turf here at the Stax Music Academy. Yes, sir. Before we even talk about uh, the nice of jazz, for people who may not even know what the Stax right. Music Academy is, I mean, what right. goes on right. behind these walls? Well, the Stax Music Academy is now an after-school music program, but it has three parts. You know, so there's after-school during the fall and the spring, but we also have a full-day program in the summertime, and there a bunch of different performing ensembles within the academy. So the first thing that we have to note with it being entitled Stax Music Academy is that this is our responsibility to keep rhythm and blues alive through Stax Records music and get their catalog. So the kids are required to learn that music. But when you go to the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, it's not just the Stax catalog. So we can reach into Motown, Chess Records, all these incredible labels. So there's so much music that we can learn. So we're teaching the kids fundamentally. We, we want to make sure they're fundamentally sound and they get to play some really cool and fun music that even right now is being sampled. It would be hard to imagine for a Jim Stewart on a still accent that one day this yes. would be what the Stax name could mean on this street corner. How yes. does it feel for you to, to be able to sort of train up a new army of young musicians from this area and from the city to carry on that stacks. Man, it is an incredible feeling to be a part of the legacy, number one. And then when those great soul legends who are still living come back and they they have tears in their eyes and they're, they're proud and excited about 
their grandchildren, their musical grandchildren, if you will. So I'm really excited, man, just to be a part of the legacy and continue it on into its next phase. What was your musical upbringing? I know that you come from a very musical family, and I'm hearing you, you start playing drums when you were, what, three years old? Right, 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 right. I started playing when I was three years old, and it was because I have an older brother who started to play, but it came from a musical father. My parents met at Lane College. They're music majors in Lane in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, some of my social media, it just came naturally. I was just around it. My father was not only a band director, but he is an incredible pianist. He's playing at the Peabody three nights a week right now. Uh, he taught for 41 years. This man was responsible for hundreds of other children coming out of Lincoln Junior High, which is no more than a mile away from here. It used to be. Um, so he taught in this community, man. I grew up in South Memphis, watching my dad teach and give into the community. The Knights of Jazz, how'd you come up with that name? And Knights, you think of the Knights, you think of chivalry and coming in on horses. Yeah. Why, why the Knights of Jazz? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ and we are in the service of the King as Knights. Uh, and we're gonna use this music, jazz that is all encompassing. The band is extraordinarily versatile. We can play anything. We're just gonna use jazz as one of the venues to deliver that message. So I thought it was a, a powerful message to start with that at the very least. But that was the reason behind the name, man. We wanna be in the service of the king with everything that we present. And going back to Stax Records, we wanna have positive message music that connects to what? The human condition. Who are the other members of your band? Right, right, we have Mr. Keenan Shotwell. Everybody knows how awesome this gentleman is. And when we talk about versatility, of course, he can play Precious Lord and a bunch of gospel, but he's also a fantastic jazz musician. And then we have, on bass, one of the most exciting basses in the city named Mr. Vincent Oglesby. And then we, we added a Dee Monet, who's, I believe, fairly new to the city, uh, but she's an incredible, amazing, versatile vocalist. We have Mr. Kelvin Walters on the woodwinds. He's not just an alto player, but that's his main number one, and he's an incredible young man. Is there anything sticking in your mind uh, about this particular show in, in the room at Crosstown? Well, the first thing is that this was our first opportunity to really begin to put some of our originals out. Because we have the ability to play almost anything, uh, but we also want to be able to express ourselves. And so to have that opportunity was very unique and uh, very exciting for the band. And James Sexton, who I didn't mention earlier, and forgive me for that, James Sexton to me is perhaps the most versatile drummer in the city. Like he reads everything, he plays jazz, plays gospel everything, a blue shuffle, he's incredible. So he did an arrangement on Happy by Pharrell that we played in doing this show. So just having the ability to express ourselves through our original music was really important for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your music with the world and, and with these young people especially. That really means a lot. Man, I'm blessed to do what I do. Thank you. Thank you. Here's more from the Knights of Jazz with Paul McKinney live on Bill Street Caravan.
That was Paul McKinney and his Knights of Jazz, live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info on McKinney and his band, visit them on Facebook. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.